Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church. The truth is we just can't get enough. We all want new things, new experiences. We want them bigger and better than the last time. In this series called Hungry Eyes, it turns out that all these wants boil down to three things that the Bible talks about were a problem from the very beginning. So welcome to the human race. We're never satisfied. Let's jump right in. Pastor Felix from Malawi. We also have a good friend of mine, Pastor Kendrick Vinar from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Yeah, he's the senior pastor there from Chapel Hill. He is a Tar Hill fan, so we'll forgive him for that, won't we? Yeah, come on. Believe it or not, it's proves Jesus can do anything that I will let a Tar Hill fan preach here, and he actually once <laughs> let me preach there as a Duke fan. They did say it was the one and only time a Duke fan would ever preach there, so that's kind of how that works. Now, in all seriousness, uh, Kendrick's just a great friend of mine, known him for a very, very long time. And uh, he's one of those guys that I can pick up the phone and call. Uh, I think his, his middle name should be Barnabas, if you know the name in Scripture, because he's a constant encourager. I mean, yeah. he, he just he's the guy that will pick you up if you're ever falling down and, and believes in you. Uh, one of the things I love about Kendrick is that I think outside of Grace Life, he's the pastor that has believed in Grace Life more than, than any, any other. Uh, when we started this church, we met on a Friday night in 2005, almost to the month. It was in August. And it was just four families and a couple other guests. And Kendrick drove all the way from Chapel Hill just to be a part of this prayer meeting. It was in a a hotel down at the intersection of Two Notch and I-77. And we had just all come together to say, do we think God's calling us to do this? Are we really going to start a church here in this city? And so to have Kendrick knowing that he wasn't going to move here, he wasn't going to live here, he wasn't going to get a job here, because he already had a job, he already had a church he was called to, to drive all the way down here just to be a part of that meeting to pray with us. And uh, just ever since, he's always just been one of the biggest fans of, of Grace Life getting to this point. You know, in our old building, you may not know it, but the sound system we had for years was a gift from his church. And so, uh, you know, sadly, of all things, when we did our, our building dedication last year and we had all of our pastor friends who were able to come because normally they're busy on Sundays. Kendrick decided that uh, celebrating his 25th wedding anniversary with his wife was more important. (laughs) I don't really understand that. So anyway, 50 weeks in the year, finally Kendrick gets to come and celebrate being here with us. Will you help me welcome Pastor Kendrick Venar, everybody. It is so great to be here. I mean, so exciting, as Pastor Jimmy said, to be able to uh, be in that room, uh, you know, with uh, Jimmy and Ramona and, and Joe and Patrice and, and Kent Lane Fancher, as well as uh, my in-laws, uh, Jerry and Nan Daly. They're the founding pastors here. Pretty good pastors, but great parents. They got, got their daughter. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, what a miracle. What a miracle this church is, like... It's just incredible what God has been doing and is doing. And to see his plan over these years is absolutely amazing. I was just thinking, Jimmy, how, you know, you and Kent and Patrice, you know, uh, one from each of the couples are all on staff. And here we are all these years later. The Lord's, you know, like he can see the beginning from the end, right? He can see the end from the beginning. Whatever, whatever I just said backwards. (laughs) He can see it in both directions. I mean, he's, he's really... 
Point is this, is, is, is like God just knew, and here we are 14 years later. And, and this is what I'm most excited about, is the best is yet to come for Grace Live Church. I mean, this church is poised right now. In, yeah, praise God. Uh, to impact, like, you know, marriages are being restored. People are coming to Christ and getting water baptized and students are getting trained up to go make a difference in the world and internships. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And you are right in the middle of it. You know, John Maxwell says everything rises and falls on leadership. And I think Pastor Jimmy and Ramona, as, as well as these other couples, are part of the gift that God's really given us. Um, uh, you know, the Fanchers, the Lambs. And, 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 they, and I know Pastor Jimmy's heart. He loves you, loves this church, I mean, gave it all. There was, listen, there was nothing when this church got started, just to let you all know, you know, and, and uh, they care. But he, here's the deal, just sometimes we can think, oh, this is just happening by itself. And I want to say this, you are important. Like sometimes there's this miracle of God moving and people coming, and you go, well, it just sort of happens. I mean, every Sunday it just kind of works, you know. And the truth is this, it works because you matter. It works because Grace Life is an everyone church, and everyone owns a part of it. And, and I want to encourage you, plant your roots deeply. Get connected in a small group. Get on the dream team. Go through the growth track and each of the lead steps, or you know, and, and, and uh, you will be blessed, and God will work in through you beyond what you can imagine. And, and, and now is a great time. The future of this church is really bright. We're going to make an impact in this community. You can see it happening this summer, right? Summer serve days and all that's going on. It is great. And so um, I think you can be in the middle of something special and not realize it. You know, you think, let me just say, I, I, I get the privilege of going to some different churches. This is not natural. This is supernatural, okay? God's up to something, y'all. And I, and I want you to just be able to, to, to participate in all that. And so, and I really want to say to I honor and love your pastor. Pastor Jimmy is a man of character, integrity. He loves God. You can't knock him down. Boing, he just pops right back up. I and mean, there's no quit in Jimmy Kearns, I tell you that much, okay? And uh, he just has a big heart for the Lord and a big heart for, for you and for this community. And so uh, it really is uh, a fun and exciting time to be part of Grace Life. Yeah, let's honor the pastor. Well, let me just briefly introduce my family to you. Uh, we're up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and uh, we moved out to the country a few years ago. So we got two horses. Uh, about, my wife's got about 30 chickens. She's got her garden back there. I've actually got four English Springer Spaniels now. And uh, we got two cows. These steers are on the Sunshine to Table program. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how it works. But anyway, uh, it's really good steak. But anyway, uh, um, and we got five kids. So we got two boys, graduated from college. They have jobs and are off the payroll. Praise God. All right. Woo. Yeah. There is no failure to launch. Just like boom. <laughs> anyway. Okay. And then we got two girls. Uh, they'll both be. Uh, at Carolina this fall, UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah, there we go. All right. Uh, I know there's two Carolinas. I, I get that. So they'll be at UNC Chapel Hill this fall. And then uh, our youngest is Amelia. Uh, she's 12 years old. And so uh, my boys tease me. They're like, Dad, they just get so frustrated. Like, they said, you're trying to prove you can raise great kids with two opposite parenting philosophies. With us, you have rules and boundaries and discipline. Amelia gets whatever she wants. And I say, 
Absolutely she does. You know, <laughs> look how cute she is, you know. We have breakfast together every morning. And, and so anyway, uh, I got an experiment going on. I'll let you know how it goes in about a decade. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. It's not quite that bad. So anyway, that's the family. And uh, great to be here with you. We're in a series called Hungry Eyes. Pastor Jimmy's been talking about how, you know, human eyes are hungry eyes. We can't get enough in, in, in a lot of areas of our life. And this comes out of the book of James talking about three categories. The desires of the flesh, we have physical pleasures. Desires of the eyes, we want more stuff. And then uh, pride of life, influence, power, you know, stuff like that. And, and, and all three of these things, we're going to, uh, Pastor Jimmy will continue it next week. What I want to do today is this, kind of fit into the, and talk about, I think, a heart attitude perspective that kind of ties them all together, okay? Because hungry eyes... Um, don't satisfy. Why is that? Well, for one, pleasure, stuff, or influence, power, doesn't satisfy in an ultimate sense, does it? It doesn't satisfy in an ultimate sense. Here's the thing, though. Some of that stuff is, like, God gives you stuff. God gives you pleasure. God gives you influence and power, or whatever, okay? And, and I think part of the problem is this heart attitude behind it and how we relate to it. And what I want to talk about is this. Is, is I think part of the problem is that when I get some stuff, I compare my stuff to your stuff. And comparison is a big issue on why we have hungry eyes, is we compare. And I think comparison is a thief of joy in your life, maybe more than we realize. Like comparison, we just do it all so naturally. I mean, one thing I know is this, comparison is universal. I'm not talking to some of us today. I'm talking to all of us. You know, sometimes you got a message and, well, we'll hit part of the congregation. No, 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 no. This is all y'all, okay? This is all of us, okay? We're all in this one because we all compare. We all notice. We all compete. And, and honestly, part of it, I think, can be healthy and good, but part of it's really not, really not. And in order for you to do all God's called you to do and be all God's called you to be, how are you going to relate to this in a healthy way? And that's what I want to talk about today. Um. I think comparison is in the Bible probably more than we realize. There's actually a lot of places you could go in the Scripture to talk about it. You know, the disciples had a problem with comparison. They sat and argued about who's going to be the greatest. Okay, that's like just flat-out, bold-faced, like, talking about comparison, all right? Uh, one, one time they actually got in a big argument over uh, who is going to sit next to Jesus on his right and on his left in heaven. Like, that was a flat-out discussion they had. They got, you know, like, they talk about comparison, right? Like... They're, they're trying to get, I don't know, first-class seating next to Jesus or whatever, you know. They talked about who was baptizing more, blah, 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 blah. But what I want to do today is I want to launch with my favorite story about comparison in the Bible, okay? And it, is, it has to do with our beloved disciples. Give me some context. We're on Easter morning, Sunday morning, okay? So uh, Friday, Good Friday, Jesus Christ gets tried. He gets crucified on a cross and dies, and they need to get Jesus in a tomb before sunset because the Jews celebrate Sabbath from sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday. And so they could do no work. Uh, and so they had to hurriedly get him in this tomb that no one had ever been laid. They rolled a stone. Um, soldiers guarded it. And they didn't even have time to do a proper burial with all the spices on Friday. Saturday is the Sabbath. Now, we're picking up in the Gospel of John, written by John, one of the disciples, and he's telling the story for us of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? 
So we're in John chapter 20, verse 1. It says, early on the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. Actually, Mary and some of her friends, women friends, they had gotten spices, and they were coming to do a proper burial for Jesus. They get there, the stone's been removed, and they're like, no, Jesus. They freak out, okay, and they book it back to town to come and tell Peter and the other disciples. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. Now, look at this. She said, she came running to Simon Peter. And now who's telling this story? John. He's talking about himself, okay? saying He doesn't say, she came running to Simon Peter and me. She said, he came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. <laughs> you know, his favorite, basically. And, and, and that's how John described himself more than once, okay? Which actually, we're going to circle back to this. I think that's healthy. Probably you didn't get up this morning, look in the mirror and go, ha, 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 ha. there's the disciple Jesus loves. His favorite, okay? But I want to say this. That's how God feels about you. I've got five kids. I've got five favorites. I tell my daughter, Amelia, I say, Amelia, she's the youngest. I said, Amelia, you know, we had those four warm-up kids, but you're the best. I said, I said, really, you're my favorite. She goes, Dad, stop it, you know. I said, Amelia, I feel bad for all the other 12-year-old, you know, dads of 12-year-old girls because you're the cutest, the smartest, the most adventurous, the most, you know. And I list, list, list all this stuff. She goes, Dad, you know. And uh, the truth is this, though, that's how I feel about her. That's how I feel about Joseph and Elisha and Gabriella and Kendrick Jr. God has seven point something billion favorites. Like he's not distracted running the universe and caring about you at the same moment. He loves you. You're his favorite. He put part of his image stamped inside of you. Again, we're going to come back because I think this is, this is going to be kind of the key that part of this that unlocks it. And John had an understanding of that. He says, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. I think we should all be able to get to a place that in our heart of hearts, when we really look in the mirror and see our zit and our little, uh, one, one gal, she goes, these are my wiggly parts. She's from England. She calls them her wiggly parts or something or whatever, you know. And uh, I, you know, I look at my wiggly parts and your, all of our warts and whatever and look in the eye and, and all of our failures and say, there's the disciple Jesus loves. It's a big deal. Okay, so th th that's how John sees himself. Again, we'll circle back to that. So uh, now look at the next verse. Peter and John get this news. So what happens? So Peter and the other disciple, John talking about himself, started for the tomb. On your marks, get set, go. They start for the, at the same time. Okay, I, he, he didn't say that, but that's, that, that's implied here. Okay, let's be clear. They started at the same time. Because watch what happens. Next verse. Both were running. He wasn't jogging, he wasn't walking, he wasn't whatever. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, listen, that's funny, y'all. That is straight up funny. John is recording the greatest event in human history, the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And before he can get to it, he has to slip in the fact, I'm faster than Peter. 
I beat them. I was there first. Okay, that's unbelievable. That, like, and, and now listen, you might just say, okay, he's just trying to slip in, you know, a relevant detail, relevant detail, whatever, a detail into the story. If, 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 listen, let's try to give him the benefit of the doubt. If, if, if that was just slipping in a detail, okay, listen, he's going to remind us not once, two more times. Check this out. This is so funny. Okay, so John gets there. He bent over. Looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon, Simon Peter came along behind him <laughs> and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. That's awesome. Like, again, he didn't need to slip in that detail, but let's just be clear. He's behind me. <laughs> okay. As well, he saw the claws. The claws were lying in his place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who, by, I don't know if I've mentioned this yet, who had reached the tomb first, <laughs> also went inside. He saw and believed. It's, it's almost like John saying, if y'all heard that he got into the tomb first, don't you? I was there first. I outran him. I'm faster. I looked in. I could have gone in first if I wanted to, but I didn't. You know. Anyway, this is kind of a humorous example. But I think you'll see here, there's an issue with comparison with all of us. We compare I mean, here we are recording the greatest event in human history, and, and, and John has to be crystal clear. He's faster than Peter, okay? Here's our first big idea for today is this. It's in your, uh, on your app there in your notes. Comparison doesn't work. It's that simple, but listen. Comparison, the very, when we compare, we're wanting it to accomplish something. It's kind of a good question to ask yourself. What do I want it to accomplish? We want to feel good about ourselves. We want to fit in. We want to feel like we're contributing and significant at work. We want to feel like we're a good mom. We want to feel like we're a good son or daughter, a good student. We compare. I want to feel like I'm a good athlete on the team, whatever. We compare. It doesn't accomplish what we want it to accomplish in our hearts. Not only that, it doesn't build bridges in relationships with people. It doesn't help your relationships. Y'all know that? Like, you cannot be comparing to someone and loving them at the same time. Loving and judging don't go together. They don't help your relationships. Comparison doesn't work to make you happy, nor does it help any of your relationships. In fact, comparison kills. What does comparison kill? Comparison kills this. Wherever comparison starts in your life, contentment ends. Wherever comparison starts, you're going along great, as soon as you start comparing, your contentment will leave you. It ends. Wherever comparison starts, contentment ends. Not when you notice what someone else has, but when you compare, when you judge, when you put it on, on a scale. I've got a friend who worked at Hewlett Packard. He was an engineer there. He said there was 200 engineers in his department or whatever, and they ranked the engineers 1 to 200. <laughs> Hi, I'm 147. <laughs> Too bad for you. I'm 92. Oh, here comes 15. Ugh, you know, you feel all insecure, you know. They literally ranked him like that, okay? And we do that. We compare with each other, right? We compare our weekend. You could have a great weekend until you come. Like, my weekend was great until Monday when I came in. Oh, well, we were at the pool. We went to the beach. <laughs> you know, we, we, we did this. We, you know, we compare our weekends. We compare, like, I felt pretty good about my body shape until I went to the gym. You know, like, well, whatever, you know. Uh, we, we compare, you know, your car, someone else's car, your house, your, 
your schooling, your education, your whatever. We compare it all. They, they got a, how long until they got a promotion? Okay. Well, their church, how fast did their church grow? I mean, like Jimmy and I were talking about how pastors were, they're just the worst at this, you know. Get on Twitter and we compare. You know, it, 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 it's, and, and, and it, it, the fastest way to kill something special in your life is to compare it to something else. You have something special in your life. As soon as you compare it with something else, it kills it. Where comparison starts, contentment ends. So here's an example. I, I've always enjoyed technology. Uh, when I got an email address, this is how, how uh, archaic and like dinosaur I am, I knew two people on planet Earth that had an email address. I could email two people. <laughs> uh, all the young people are like, who is he? You know, anyway. Um, and and I, also, I like technology. So I, I, I got a Palm Pilot. I don't know if some of you uh, old people like me can remember the Palm Pilot. It was this thing that you could put like your to-dos in this little thing and, and your contacts. And it was like, it was so cool. And then, so I had my Palm Pilot for years. And then they, what they did is this, they took a Palm Pilot and a, and a cellular phone and they combined the two. And they called it a Palm Trio. Check out this technological genius of uh, gadgets. Look at that. That was my phone, baby, right there. I love my palm tree, okay? Look at this. There's Bluetooth. There's, you can put your calendar. There's a camera on the phone. Unbelievable, okay? Contacts. You can actually text people, make phone calls, listen to music, do your tasks, check your email, and go on the web. I mean, I said, this is the greatest phone in human history. Now, these big thumbs and those little, little buttons, I don't know. It didn't work out that great, but... I love my Palm Trio. So um, this is now June 30th, 2007. It was right before my anniversary again. And my wife and I uh, drove up to Virginia, hopped on a boat, went on a cruise for a week. Uh, another anniversary little getaway. So uh, the day before, June 29th, 2007, you can kind of Google this, but there's a company maybe you've heard of. It's called Apple, Apple Computer. And, and, and they came out with a phone. Okay, now I was a big Mac guy. I love Macs, you know. I was a big, you know, I'm in the Mac corner, you know. And I said, a phone? Like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, what does Apple know about making a phone? Nothing. I've got a Palm Trio, you know what I'm saying? Like, I am so good, you know. So listen, this is what happened. That I, the, the, the Apple phone, whatever thing, whatever, came out on, on uh, Friday. We get on this boat the very next day. Well, it's a day or two on the cruise, and I'm sitting next to this guy. He had bought the phone on Friday and was sitting next to me like on Saturday, Sunday or something like that, you know, like a day or two later. And I'm seeing him over there, and he's flipping something, something, and, 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 uh, and I say, hey, is that one of those Apple phones, you know? He goes, it's an iPhone. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's an iPhone, whatever, you know. I'm like, oh, you know. And, and then he says, want to touch it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, yes, I do, actually, you know. So then this is, this is what happens. I've got this in my pocket, and then I, he, that's the iPhone that came out. Now, I, I was like, what do you do? And so he goes, well, you can just, like, swipe. And, it, and, and all the apps just went whoosh like that. And then a new set came up. I was like, no way, swoosh, swoosh, you know. And then I hit the little, there's a little photos button, and it went whoosh. And, and then he had some photos that he had taken they're right there, and they're beautiful photos. And and he goes, watch this, and you can zoosh, zoosh. And he goes, watch it, you can zoom in, and whoop, and you can zoom in. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. And, and, and I went through, that. I said, oh, that's unbelievable. I said, look at that piece of junk over there. That's trash. 
Palm trash is what they call that thing. It's a doorstop. It's good for nothing, you know. I got off the boat a week later on Saturday, went to church on Sunday. Monday, I was at the Apple store, okay? The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. So it was literally the next weekend, end of the story. A mutual friend of ours, Ben, uh, came over and he goes, hey, I'm so excited. He was just like, I was like yeah, what's up, man? He goes, I got a new phone. It's, I said, well, what is it, like a motor, Motorola or something? I said, I'm thinking, ah, what a piece of junk. And uh, so anyway, I, let, I, I actually thought, how long should I let him go until I ruin his day, you know? So I let him go for about five minutes and I pulled up my phone. I said, hey, want to touch it? <laughs> and he still hates me. So um, fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Where comparison starts, contentment ends, doesn't it, okay? Now listen, humorous example of technology, but we do it with our lives. We do it with our, well, how long, till he got promoted, she got what job? Wait a minute. They bought that house at what? Their kids are doing what? We compare our kids. We compare our kids. I want to be a good parent so I invest my heart in this, and, and, and if my kids aren't at the right stage, whatever, we, 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 feel, we, we feel threatened. And kids get put under a ton of pressure. Kids are under a ton of pressure because we want them to move along, and we're investing who we are in that person. And, and there's a lot of comparison, and it's just not healthy. You know, like my kid is a sniveling brat that won't do anything around the house. And look at Johnny holding up his trophy, and, you know. You know, we're having, like, getting macaroni, and, and, oh, tonight we threw in hot dogs. You know, it got really fancy, macaroni and cheese and hot dogs, you know. And, and, and then she's over there with her Pinterest five-course meal, you know. And uh, congratulations for you, you know. Uh, and, and, and we compare. Social media makes it easy to compare. Listen, if you've got 400 friends on Facebook, someone's having a good weekend. Someone's at the beach, some, you know what I'm saying? And we compare our, you know, daily lives to everyone else's highlight reels and we feel insecure. Or, you know, and, and the kids end up running ragged, right? Like they got to get good grades and they got to have been certain AP classes and then the stress. And then, okay, they got to play an instrument and be in a sport and do, I don't know, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts and climb and invent something, new invention. And, <sighs> oh yeah, take Toastmasters too and learn to speak Spanish. See, <gasps> sí, que bueno. You know, it's like, it, 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 it's just too much. And we put pressure because we are comparing. We compare all these things. Here's the problem with comparison. Someone wins and someone loses. That's the whole point of a comparison, right? Someone wins, someone loses. Someone wins, someone loses. So this is what happens when someone wins and someone loses is that you end up either feeling superior or inferior. And neither honors God. If you feel superior, proud, look down on, criticize others, they're not as good as you are. They're not as organized. They don't keep, she doesn't keep her house as, you know, you look in, that's kind of a wreck. Or we feel insecure. We feel like we don't measure up. We feel like we're not doing as good a job at school on a sports team, at our workplace, don't make as much money. And pride and insecurity are two signs that you are living in performance and living in comparison. Pride and insecurity. Pride and insecurity, I say it this way, are two sides of the same coin, 
It's a coin of performance. I used to think proud people and insecure people were two different groups of people. You got the proud people over here, they're confident and full of themselves. And you got the insecure people over here, they're kind of like pretty humble and quiet and feel like they don't measure up. Okay, let me just say, not true. (laughs) The proud people just wear that on the outside a little bit more, but you get them on the right topic, trust me, they're very insecure. And sometimes that tough outside exterior, all that performance, all that drive can be to cover up the very insecurity that's inside of them. They're just as insecure, trust me. Most proud people, you know who they're most, like, hard on? Themselves. Insecure people, they look all, like, humble. They're not, insecurity does not equal humility. Insecurity is performance. It's just a cover-up for the same price. You get that insecure person on the right topic and buckle up. (laughs) They got opinions. They know. Like, it's surprising, Okay. Pride and insecurity are two sides of the same coin. And, and I believe this. Jesus Christ came to blow up a system of performance, a mentality of performance, trying harder, that if I do well, I can earn the favor of God and God's smile. God will be with us as a nation. God will be with me as a person if I do well, perform, do, do, do. That's what that the whole system, if you read the, all the Gospels, the story of Jesus, what he was coming to change was there was a huge mentality of things in the human heart Because you would think it was easy to move from performance to grace. It's not because we have to lay down control and it's a little bruise to our pride. And and, and we're hardwired for it because all of life, you know, it's like, hey, you want better grades? What do you do? Study. You want to climb? Like you got to work hard. And part of that's really good. good. It's it's honestly often not what we're doing that's wrong. It's the heart motivation, the why behind it that's the problem. That we're trying to earn something with God. This is what we're often trying to earn is this. Comparison fails to satisfy an internal need with an external win. That's the wrong why that's in our heart. We have an internal need. Let me encourage you. You have an internal need to feel significant, to make a difference at the work, to, to fit in, to um, be loved, whatever. To, to be strong, be beautiful, whatever. Actually, you know, those are from God and you can't get rid of those. Those aren't bad desires, needs that are in your heart. The question is, how are you going to fulfill them? And when you have an internal need that you're trying to fulfill with an external win, what happens is you're, that can't satisfy. So what we do is I have this internal need. I want to feel good about myself and successful. Well, then I look at what I'm good at and I compare what I'm good at to what you're not good at so I can feel good about myself. Well, I can't sing, right? Like not everyone's a full package like Pastor Jimmy. He can preach, he can sing, he can lead, he can whatever, okay? Whatever, okay? <laughs> Trying to not compare and feel insecure, okay? My, my, here's the thing. I can't sing. So what I'll do is this. I'll go, well, I can do this well. And we compare. See, we put our identity then into what we do well. Well, I work out. Well, I don't work out. I do computers. Well, I don't do computers. I'm creative. Well, I dress cool. I got style. See what I'm saying? We, f- we find what we can win at, and then we try to get that external win to satisfy an internal need, and it never does. It fails every single time. Honestly, this is my story. I grew up with great parents that loved me, and you know, but like my parents were both teachers. My dad was a coach, and I realized that I could perform if... if if I did well at school and sports, I kind of got an attaboy. 
at a girl. You know what I'm saying? There, there's a well done that I think all of us want in our hearts. And where do you get your well done? That's the, the external need satisfying the internal, the external win satisfying the internal need, right? What gives you that well done, the attaboy, girl. That's a very important question to answer for yourself. And, and what I realized is, is this. I think God allowed me for a while. I, I, I took my performance, put it into Christianity. You know, did, you know, it was really fun and exciting. And at some point I think God said, hey, Kendrick, if I let you keep doing well and succeeding and winning at Christianity and my relationship with the Lord, who's going to get the credit? Firepower. I would. Because I prayed hard, worked hard, performed hard, was at church, I served you know, and, and honestly, I, 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 was, I, it, it was, I was spiritually proud. I was insecure. You know, like it was pride, insecurity was all there. And God says, hey, I want to teach you grace. And I think God, some of you here today might say, you know what? My relationship with the Lord isn't as exciting or great as it used to be. And I think sometimes what the Lord's doing is he's saying, hey, if I let you keep succeeding, you think it was all about you because you're a better follower of Jesus. And you know what? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't do well with Jesus because of how disciplined we are. It's because of how loved we are. How good we are at receiving grace. Okay? Let me give you a couple thoughts. How do we overcome comparison? Number one, you have to answer this question. Who or what is going to define my worth? Who or what is going to define my worth? What are you worth? You are worth only what someone's willing to pay for you. And do you know what someone paid for you? Not silver or gold, says First Peter. But you were paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are worthy. You have, you have innate value because God took his image and stamped part of it inside of you. With the seven point whatever billion people, you are loved. You are his favorite. You are the disciple that God loves. He looks down. He smiles. He likes you. He's for you. It doesn't matter how much money you make, how much you climb the corporate ladder, how many kids you have, what kind of grades they get, how many activities they're in. None of that defines you. Your last review at work does not define you. When God defines you and he says, I want to satisfy your internal needs and I want you to define the fact that you're success, you're beautiful, you're loved, you fit in because I say so and I love you. And I'm pleased with you. Tell you what, when you get that nailed, it will transform your life. Some of y'all need to realize, you know what? I have been trying to define my worth, my value, by what I do. And God says, no, no, no. Let your doing flow out of your being. You're loved. Your identity is secure in Christ. And when you get that straight, it is life transforming. And you can do out of that. See, that's the second part. What can you do? I determined to run my race. There is a doing God has for you. There's a race that God has for you to run. A course that he, there's a plan that God has just for you. And your plan, your course, your race is totally unique. Like, I don't know if you all like, like ran track in high school. We all, you all run the same lane, right? Around, around, around the track. Listen, your course, your race is completely unique. As soon as you start comparing, you get yourself in trouble. Michael Phelps and Chad LeClo raced in the 200 Butterfly in 2016 in the Olympics. And uh, we bring up this picture. Maybe I don't know if you all remember this. Uh, but they were racing right near the end. Chad LeClo looked up. And as soon as he looked out of his lane, 
Michael Phelps won the gold. And I think that's, I love this picture because I think a lot of us are, are going through life going, when did you get your raise? You got the promotion when? Your kids are in, oh crap, piano too? Oh, oh no, oh no, oh no. Better get them in piano. And, and, and we end up comparing our race. And this is what we say. I'll, I'll talk to people and say, well, pastor, I feel behind. You're behind what? Behind who? Well, I don't know. By now I should have, because why? Oh, oh I know. By now you're supposed to have 2.5 kids, a picket fence, be married, and have a dog. Right? That's the American dream. Are you behind the American dream? A lot of parents feel that way about their kids. I mean, that's why pre kids, pressure gets put on kids. My, my wife homeschooled, and uh, my second son just kind of took off. Our second son, Joseph, he just like, one of these kids is not like the other. He just went to his own. Like, some people say, you know, Joseph's outside the box. I said, no, Joseph's not outside the box. He has no box, okay? <laughs> Joseph, so my wife's trying to teach him multiplication. I don't know, what, what do you say, the second, third grade? You know, anyway. We did flashcards, computer cards. We wrote it on his arm. I mean, we had systems, nines. And, and, and I mean, I, I would sit there after dinner and, and, and it's like, I'm the worst homeschool mom ever, you know. And, and, and she goes, he's behind. Third grade, fourth grade. I said, by senior year, he will graduate knowing he's the David did. You know, honestly, that's what it felt like, you know. And if he had been in... You know, in a different scenario, I think schooling, they would have said he's remedial. Put him over there. He's no good at math. He'll never do anything with math. We do that to ourselves. I'm no good. I'm going to disqualify myself. We disqualify ourselves. I'm remedial over here. And uh, just, sorry, proud dad moment. I guess, yeah, I, hope, I hope it's okay to do this. Joseph learned his multiplication tables, praise God, <laughs> went to UNC, got a, a Bachelor of Science degree in computer science and a 3.86 GPA, got a job working for a consulting firm in Dallas with a bunch of Ivy League whatevers, and he's kicking their butts. Come on. Thank you, Lord. All right. Listen, you're not behind. Quit beating yourself up. Moses didn't get started until he was 80, okay? Y'all aren't 80 yet, most of you. Let me, let me give you this last thought. Here's the last thought for you today is this. You need to celebrate with those who win. The last super practical thing you can do is celebrate with those who win. One way to break comparison in your life is to, be, is to celebrate. Like, you know, we said where comparison begins, contentment ends. The opposite is true. Where contentment starts, comparison ends. And the Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And, 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 and I, I don't know, I, you know, if, if we could like impart something here at Grace Life, wouldn't it be cool if we all had this thing of, I'm going to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Hey, when you go on vacation, I'm going to like every one of your stinking sunset photos in Jesus' name. I'll be happy for you. You got a raise, you got a new car, you got whatever, whatever. Like, I'm happy for you. Happy for your kids. Listen, God's blessed you. He's been so, so good to you. He's been so good to you. He loves you. He's with you. And, and, and I think that's the definition of a good friend. Is, is if you can rejoice with those who rejoice. And then weep with those who weep. Some people are too selfish and self-centered. 
You ever call somebody up like, like you get really excited about them? Hey, guess what? Uh, you know? And then you realize they're like totally distracted or one up your story or whatever, and they're totally like, and you go, uh, that totally didn't work. You intuitively know who to call when you have a good day. You call someone who's secure enough in their identity in Christ that they're not going to compare it with you, and they'll just be happy for you. Be that person. You go be that person. And that will create a, a culture here in Grace Life that's so life-giving. So life-giving. May I pray with you and for you? I'm so glad to be here with you today. And, and I believe the Lord brought some of you here today to really encourage you. To really encourage you, challenge you. Number one, challenge you to say the pride and security thing. You know what? Let's ask the Lord to forgive us of that. Let's get challenged and say, you know what? I want to live in grace. I want to break out of the comparison trap. I, I, I really want to get my identity and worth and my needs satisfied by God. I want to run my race. Some of you have been beating yourselves up too much. You've been way too hard on yourself. You're not behind. Good news. What would you learn in church, church today? I'm not behind. I'm right on my race, baby. Father, I thank you today for the privilege of being here with these incredible people that just love you and want to serve you and want to make an impact in the world. And I, I pray a blessing, God, over every one of us that we could lay down our comparison. That you would forgive us for when we've been proud and insecure, when we have compared. And rather, Lord, you would move us out of this performance thing and doing into a relational being with you. Now, Lord, you've already accepted us. You've forgiven us. You've brought us into your family. We can't earn your love. We can't earn your smile. And I pray that we could really get our identity secure in Christ. I want to pray for those who today maybe realize that, you know, I've never felt like a, a very good follower of Jesus or a Christian. And you know what? Congratulations. Welcome home. That's the first step, actually. That's the whole point. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. That's all of us. Like, you can ask God to forgive you today and to come into your heart and begin a relationship with God through Christ, not based on what you do, but based on his grace and his forgiveness. So right now you say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. I want to give you my life, dedicate it all to you. I pray that you would have first place in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.